things in there. You're going to see the model church. That's what the church ought to be. And that's described in there. The three tenses of Christian life. You're going to see the model servant and what we ought to be. Yes. Not what we are, but what we ought to be. And then the reward we're going to receive. And it talks about the model brother and the believer's sanctification. And that's beautiful in there. And the model walk, how we ought to walk and the hope we have when we walk that way. And the fifth chapter, it, it brings about, it comes to climax, the model walk and also the day of Jehovah when Jesus comes. Let's read from there. But the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. In other words, he's already wrote it time and time and time again. So he expects them to understand that. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. And when they shall say, Peace and safety. Now, has anybody heard those words lately? Then sudden destruction cometh upon them as prevail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Now notice the distinction, but ye, brethren, are not in darkness. God help us if we are, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us unto wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Break off there a little bit. This is talking about the wrath of God, not the wrath of the beast, lest you get all mixed up about that. Okay? As far as Christians are concerned, the wrath of God is not going to hurt us, not one bit. But to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Now from the 11th verse, on down to probably and including the 25th, but we'll read the rest of it, is the ones that we want to zero in on doing these studies. It says, Wherefore, comfort one another together, com comfort yourselves together, and edify one another even as also ye do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them that labor among you, and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, not for their sake, but for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearances of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who will also do it. Brethren, now Paul is ending his epistle. Brethren, pray for us. Read all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. You may be seated. We're living in a day and hour of problems and trouble upon lives until it is hard sometimes for us to distinguish whether we are simply kind of under attack by the enemy and we're kind of in a standstill or maybe are even made to feel as if we're really not where we was at one time. And also we are in danger also of backsliding. Now we can backslide. Amen. We can backslide. Now, there's degrees in backsliding. I think first we ought to know that. You're not just here today and gone tomorrow, all right? There's degrees in it that you can be someplace in God and then something comes along and 
how it bewilders you and the first thing you know you've lost the grip of God and you go back and little by little sometimes but there is past a degree of backsliding back, back there is a time when you find yourself in the same place you was when you came to Jesus and there's a lot that's happening in Christian lives today there's a lot that's already simply gone completely back on the Lord because they did not recognize what they were doing. Did not recognize the thing that was creeping in their lives and did not recognize that they were slowly slipping back and commandments they one time adhered to they was not adhering to anymore. The things at one time did not take their toll was beginning to take their toll on their lives and slowly but surely the grip of the devil has simply grip them and choke every ounce of life out of them that's possible. Now we want to help you during these studies to understand what would keep us. In other words, the guaranteed cure from backsliding. What can actually keep us? Of course, we've got a lot of things in the Bible that uh, gives us a whole lot of definitions and a whole lot of uh, exhortations. But in the ending of this chapter through the Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul gives some things here in these verses, if and hereto, would keep us from backsliding. This is Paul's prescription for a sure cure for backsliding. And if we will adhere that, but first of all, a believer has to be honest with themselves. I mean, God comes to us many times if we are growing cold in the Lord, and we are not where we was at one time. The Spirit comes to us and convicts us. And it tries to convince us that we're not where we ought to be. And then we're not careful. We begin to make reasons or excuses or even deny the fact that we are not where we one time was. And this is dangerous, saints. Come on. You see, any believer or any church practicing the truth that's set forth in these verses will never at any time find themselves in a backslidden condition. So we want to take our time and expound upon some of these verses from the 11th verse on down and see what those things are saying to us that would help us to understand our needs and the needs of others. Beginning at verse 11, begins like this, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together, talking to church, Comfort yourselves together. In other words, there's a lot of times by ourselves we cannot find comfort. We're living in places where it overshadows. And Paul's advice was comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. Edification should not come only from the pulpit. It should come from one another. Also, comfort should not come only from the pulpit, or challenging could not only come from the pulpit, but to be and prove the church of God should be of help one to another. And if we find ourselves in that position as a church, there's not one single one of us will have our spiritual life taken away from us. Amen? We have to be in a position where we can receive comfort, and also in a position where we can give it an edification, edifying one another, building one another up, encouraging one another, uh, demonstrating unselfishness in our own lives. I think this is probably a problem. We get so wrapped up with our own things, what's bothering us, and things do bother us. There's not an individual among us that isn't plagued by a lot of things, different things, in, in, our, in our life, and sometimes we get so selfish with caring for ourselves that we forget about others. And the truth of the matter is, the more attention we pay to someone else, and the less attention we pay to ourselves, the more fulfilling that we're going to get from God. And the closer we're going to stay to Him, and the less we're going to find ourselves disintegrated or going downhill in our Christian experience. And so our unselfishness is number one key. We build, our, build others up by demonstrating that we are unselfish, that we really care where they're at and what they're doing. Now, if we can't come together and let other people know our problems, see, we're not big enough to handle things by ourselves. That's our problem. We try to do it by ourselves. Why do you 
think God gave you a body? Why do you think God asked you to attach yourself to a church? Why do you think you are members of the body of Christ? Is that simply because we're not an island to ourselves? We cannot stand for ourselves. We need one another. So we start to by the demonstrating unselfishness that we actually do care that, and we're being kind and we're being affectionate and tender and merciful. Mercy simply extends really beyond our ability to give. It's a gift of God. It's something that the Spirit does. And we all need mercy once in a while, all right? We don't need judging. We need mercy, okay? And that's what uh, Paul is trying to say. You need to be affectionate and tender and merciful. All right, so they did something that they shouldn't have done, and they found themselves in a mess that they're in because of no nothing that you did, but something that they did. So what if they did? Should we just ask God to zap them right off to teach them a good lesson? He needs to teach them a lesson, and he will. But a lot of people falter and fall in positions like this. Simply because someplace, somewhere, there's no kindness reaching out. There's no affection. There's no tenderness and there's no mercy. Right. Why should we not have mercy? Because we will find ourselves sometimes in predicaments maybe as bad or worse. So reach out, saints. Open up our mouths of compassion to one another and try to understand one another. And don't you be so proud that you can't confide your needs to the body of Christ. Because sometimes you can't handle them by yourself. Do the best you can, but there comes time, and especially in this day and age, when we simply do not, and we're not supposed to, make this grade on our own. Exhort one another with spiritual encouragement. And strength is going to be the result. And the only way that we can have strength, of course, is through Christ. But with spiritual encouragement to show individuals that it's not the end of the road. That things are rough, yes, and things are dark, and there's things you don't understand in your life, and things that happen to you that ought to happen to a sinner, but they're happening to you. And uh, uh, encourage those individuals, encourage one another, that it's not the end of the road. In other words, where they're at may be where God wants them, but they're going to need you. I'm going to need you. They're going to need me. And encouragement with spiritual encouragement. Tell them about God. Tell them what God did to them before. Sometimes we forget the path we walk, walked, we? don't we? Sometimes we forget the things God does for us. Spiritual encouragement is to tell us where God is. Tell him what he's been doing in our life. And he's never failing us. He's never going to. But the thing of it is, in this hour that you're in, you need somebody's hand to grasp yours and say, God still loves you and cares about you. This comes from the body of Christ. Yes. This comes from the church. 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, mark these things down. These are not real in-depth scriptures at all. It's just something to remind us of where we're at. Paul declares that the church is one body made up of many members. In other words, we're not a member, but we're not a body of our own. We are a many-membered body. And he also tells us when one member suffers. And now what I just got through telling us, the whole body ought to suffer. How are we going to suffer with you if we don't know what's happening in your life? If you're too proud to share some of the failures in your life, the predicaments you're in, and things that just simply beyond your capacity uh, to handle, how are we going to help you? How are we going to suffer with you if we don't know what is bugging you in your life? But once we make that known, it ought to have an effect upon the rest of the body. Many times it doesn't, but it ought to. We ought to feel as if that is our own. We ought to, a lot of times we can't do much about it, only to feel inside and take it to God in prayer and an arm around the person, a pat on the back, a good firm handshake, our word that says God is still God. Hold on to Him. And you're suffering and let them know that you're right there, right along with them. They're not having to endure this by themselves. But we cannot know, the body cannot know as long as we're too stupid and proud to just open up and say, I need your help. And then once that happens, 
of the soul comes and says, I have gone just about as far as I can go. I need your help. I am suffering unto agony. Who knows from what direction? Some things that would bother me wouldn't bother you at all, but it means a lot to me. I mean, it's hurting me. And some things that bother you doesn't bother me. But that's why Paul is saying, when one member suffers, the whole body suffers. And when one member is blessed, then the whole body is blessed. Wouldn't it be good sometimes after we went under all the suffering and the body has suffered with you? Wouldn't it be wonderful sometimes you stand up and say, I've been blessed. I've been blessed. Have you ever noticed when somebody does that, the whole body is blessed? Because that's good news. But the suffering is not really good news. So we're easy to be partakers of the blessings of somebody else. But sometimes real reluctant to take on the suffering of somebody else. That is what denotes us as a body. Alright? Now you can't whack me on the head and me not feel it. I'm going to feel it. I can't mash my finger without the head telling uh, the rest of my body that that hurts. Amen? So if we're sensitive to God and to leadership and all of these things, then we're going to know it. If we're not too proud and too selfish to just simply say, I never forget what Brother Stanley Porter said one time when he was undergoing all the difficulties. Everything was falling apart. His wife was leaving him. His whole home, it was chaos. He just simply said he went out behind his house and he said, God, I hurt. God, I hurt. And wouldn't it have been nice if he had just had a church, which at the time they was feuding and fussing among themselves and seemingly had no time for him while his whole life was being ripped apart, saints of God in his own congregation was being so selfish that they could not feel this man. Wouldn't it have been nice if he could have stood up before a congregation and said, saints, I hurt. I hurt. I can't handle this. I don't know what's going on and something inside of me hurts. And then to see the response of a congregation that immediately comes and says, we hurt with you. We hurt with you. I think that's what the body of Christ is all about. It is doing that and being blessed because we're not going to uh, be suffering all the time. Alright? There's going to be some blessed moments and times, especially if we turn ourselves over to God. In Ephesians 2.22, Paul refers to the church as the habitation of God through the Spirit. In other words, in, uh, and when you say church, it, it's, it's a whole mass of individuals every place. And it gets beyond us to understand that. So the Apostle Paul then speaks to local churches and breaks it down into local places and he's saying in a sense that this place here is a habitation of God through the Spirit. In other words, God needs to live here. God needs to live in our lives. Uh, God needs to be here and dwell among us when we're here to worship Him. And each member contributing one to another in love and in exhortation and edification. And this strengthens the whole church. And not only does it strengthen the whole church, but it glorifies God. And that's the real reason we're here anyway, isn't it? It's to glorify God. And once the world sees us glorifying God, you won't have much uh, effort to contact, to make contact with them. They will see and understand that you are bound together by the love of God. God bring the church to that condition. Bring us to our real mission. Of course, the real mission is reaching sinners. But when we begin to be strengthened by one another and glorify God, you can't help but reach sinners. Amen. They're going to see something different than they saw in, in the majority of churches. And they're going to want something that will change their life. They're not interested in coming someplace in feuds and fusses and fights. They can do that at home. They're not interested in coming someplace where they belittle one another and tear one another down. They hear that every place. What they're interested in is some peace in their heart and peace in their mind and somebody that lives by that premise. The Word of God is sure and it is steadfast. Also in Ephesians, Paul likes, likens the church to husband and wife. And he admonishes the wife to love her husband 
and he admonishes the husband to love his wife. And Paul ascribes the grace of edifying to the whole body, not just the select few. Now we have to be honest, saints. There are some people that we can bear with better than we can others. Don't you look at me like that. You know that's the case. Because some people simply agree with us more than others. And we love people to agree with us. Amen? And there's some of us have personalities that it's just hard to like. Amen? I mean, it's just hard for some of us to, to like that type of personality. And, uh, and yet that doesn't take away the grace of God. Doesn't take away the need of us edifying and being part of the edification of the whole body. Nobody should be excluded. Brother Bill ought to be in there. Brother Jack ought to be in there. I know they're hard to include, but they ought to be in there. Amen. And we ought to care just as much about them as we care about somebody that has the same attitude we have and can talk the same language that we talk. And we ought to care just as much about them. And that's what Paul is trying to say. Now, if we get in this frame of mind as a church of the living God, then there is no danger of anybody in the house of God ever backsliding. Right. There would be no reason for them to return to the beggarly elements of the world. Right. And there would be no reason for a church to hold up. True. The only thing you've got here is a method for growth. Not just necessarily filling every seat, but growth in the body of Christ. To learn who we are. That we're not separate entities. That we're all in one body and God placed us that way. I didn't have anything to do with it. God has much to do with it. The whole body, and I'm going to read this, fitly joined together, and you've heard this so often, but this is a cure for backsliding. This will keep you from backsliding. Alright? This will keep a church intact. The whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies. You've got to supply something to the movement of this church. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Every joint, you are part of it. There's some movement in you and you owe this body something. You've got to supply something to this church. Don't just create problems for it. Supply some answers for it. You owe that to the church. You owe that to one another. You know it, owe it to God. According to the eventual workings in the measure of every part. Notice every part. Not just the ministry. Not just the Sunday school teachers. Every part. In other words, you have a part in the body of Christ. Now, your part has to work. In order for the body to walk like it ought to walk and think like it ought to talk, think like it ought to think and do what it ought to do for a body to work in perfection, every joint and every part of it has to be in motion. If I say I want to get up and something doesn't move for me to get up, I won't get up. If I say I'm going to walk and I'm going to walk perfect and some part of my body doesn't move, I have a knee that's locked up or something like that, and I'm limping along. The body's moving, but it's not in perfection. Right. Some part of the body is not in action. Right. And you can't find a church to ever go anyplace until the whole body finds its place and realizes that it too has to move. Right. Most of you will never feel this pulpit. I wish you would for at least a month or so and you'd understand, but most of you never will. And most of some of you will never teach Sunday school classes, but there is part for you to do in the body of Christ. Sometimes it's not a vocal one. doesn't matter. There's still something for you to do. In working in the major of every part, make us increase. I like that word increase, don't you? Increase. We're living in a day and hour where there's decrease in the body of Christ. But by the moving and working in perfection of every part of the body of Christ, it makes an increase of the body into the edifying of itself. 
What you're doing is helping yourself. In love. In love. I mean, to do it any other way is the highest of folly. Whatever you do has to be an earnest concern and desire to help and do what the body of Christ is supposed to do. Now many of us feel as if we're not, not necessary in the body of Christ. And there again, uh, that's a word, that, that's an evil report. We should never entertain that because when we do, there's something inside that takes us away from the body of Christ and we're on the verge sometimes of going backwards. Recognize that you are included in the body of Christ. Paul is talking to the church. Amen. Paul is talking to, I believe it's the Ephesian church. He's telling them about it. He's also talking to the church of Thessalonica. And he said oh, over here, I charge you, that's a charge to you, that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. In other words, he said, if they miss, I want you to catch them when they're here. I'm sure he had the same problem we do in this day and hour. I'm sure he couldn't catch all of them together at one time. And so he said, I want you to be sure that everybody knows what I wrote. Because it is important. Why is it important? He just said the day of the Lord is coming. He said the important thing of it is that you don't want to be caught in a cold back state when the Lord comes. He said now, if people are going to sleep, let them sleep that sleep in the darkness. But you are not children of the darkness. He wants you to be aware that you are children of the light and be aware that Jesus is coming. All you've got to do is look around until you know that. You'll understand what's happening. Now verses 12 and 13, I believe, together. And we beseech ye, brethren. That word beseech is a strong word. It goes beyond begging. It includes begging and demanding and many other things that I don't have time to go into, but look at it sometimes. We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourself. Now this brings to bear upon the ministry. And it is awful hard for me to make demands upon you, but you bear in mind that I am not making this demand that Paul is with the Word of God making that demand upon you. Alright? All the ministry in the church, Paul says, I am commanding you, I am beseeching you, I want you to know them that labor among you. Find out about their lives and those that are over you and those that admonish you. You see, a minister has no right not to admonish us. I mean, that is our job, to love you and, and, and to care about you, but also to admonish you when you're walking wrong, when there's something in your life that's simply going to tear you apart. And it says not only that, but you are to esteem them very highly in love. You need to read, uh, look up that word esteem and see what it means and ask yourself the question, if this has been done in your life, this is a command of God, it is not mine. I did not call myself to this office, but God did. Have you esteemed the office where God has placed His ministry? But first know them. Are they worthy of esteeming? That is your particular job. Is to know the individuals that labor among you and are over you and admonish you. And if they are up to the word of God, and if their word is pure and steadfast, and their life dictates that, then you are uh, to esteem them highly in love for their work's sake. For what they are doing, not who they are, but what they are doing. And be at peace among yourselves. I'll get to that in just a minute. But a believer, any Christian, ought to always seek out a church where the full gospel is preached. All right? Now, a lot of preachers preach to please.
change of denomination. Or a certain group. Or a certain fellowship. And to know them which labor among you, you should not blindly support any minister till you know what he believes and what he preaches right. and he's lying. Right. And if you want to follow me day in and day out, I'll do my best to show you that I believe what I preach. And I'm not ashamed to tell you that I try my best to live what I preach. Yes. And I ask you to search the Bible out and you find anything wrong in the way I preach it. And if it's not right, come and talk to me. Right. And I'm not ashamed to get out on my knees and make a public apology to you. But for that reason, my office and office of others ought to be esteemed highly in love. Amen. I watched a lot of times with us. Saints, you hear me now. I'm not just granting an axe, but I've watched us sometimes dishonor leadership here. I've watched what God has put over you, and I've watched you dishonor it. I've watched you speak in ways that ought never be, be spoken even to a saint, much less to a minister that you should esteem highly in love. What I'm doing now is cautioning you, if you did not realize and don't say anything, <coughs> Don't say anything that would not be honorable. Amen? Amen. A lot of people out in this world today that simply dishonored and went against. Saints, we cannot. Let me get this right to you. You cannot. Everybody do what they want to do, the way they want to do it, when they want to do it. There has always been an order. Amen. That's right. And when we get to the place where we don't recognize that order, it is dishonoring that which God has placed over you for no reason at all. Come on. I don't know that. I realize that don't sound too good when we begin to challenge. But this will keep us from backsliding. This will bring the church to the place it ought to be and bring love among ourselves, our divisions and no divisions at all can creep in. Because when there's love for one another, and love for those that are over certain monitors, and we esteem them highly in love for their work's sake, maybe you don't like my personality. That's your problem. I'll do my best to correct it if I can, but I don't like yours either sometimes. But that doesn't mean I don't have to love you and esteem you for what you are. Maybe I cross your path once in a while. I said this often. Uh, Tom Williams that worked up there as a fire marshal in Harrisburg always told me, Host Claw, you're hard to like, but I like you. And I thought that's the center says that. <laughs> all right. I was hard to like simply because I was on his case all the time. He was a womanizer, he was a drinker, he he cursed and he went black garden and he told dirty jokes, and I told him it's not right. That's why he said I was hard to like. Alright? So maybe that's why I'm hard to like. Maybe I'm like an emery board on something. Alright? But there again, that is the word of the Apostle Paul to the church at Thessalonica. And he was talking about himself too. Yes, he was. Well, there have been churches that he had established that they didn't recognize him for who he is and what he was. And there was no honor among them. They didn't esteem them highly in love for their work's sake. Now, to know them that labor among you, you should not blindly support any minister until you know what he preaches and what he believes. And you should never send your tithes to any TV or radio preacher. If you deem him worthy and he preaches the truth, Send him an offering outside of your tithes and offerings. Right. And give them to your local church. That's Bible. You can send to him if you want to. Do what he wants to do. What he wants to. You can turn him on television. And he can tell you how much he loves you. But he doesn't have a personal touch. He don't care for the most part. He cannot bear your debt. 
He's going to pray for you in your sicknesses. He cannot be there. All right? You should esteem your pastor and the spiritual leaders of your church again very highly. You ought to love them. You ought to follow them. Express your appreciation for them. And believers should not belong to a church pastored by a person that they cannot praise or honor. Amen? Amen. We're going to say it again. If you can honor the leadership here and praise them for their work, you don't need to be here. Amen? That's as plain as I can make. I mean, if we're not worthy of your honor, not worthy of your support, uh, and you don't know anything about us, then you should go someplace where you can honor and praise somebody else. Somebody can tell their friends, somebody that could tell their friends and neighbors about. You ought to be able to speak to your neighbors and friends highly about the ministry and about the uh, ministry of your church. Amen. You ought not to be ashamed to bring them into the house of God. I mean, you ought not to be ashamed when I get loud and boisterous and, and get beside myself once in a while. You ought not to be ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed of you when you get that way. I'm ashamed of you sometimes when you sit on the Holy Spirit and you know you're to move. We'll deal with that a little bit later on. I'm ashamed of you then. I mean, when somebody comes in from another church that doesn't worship like we do, why do you think they're here? And sometimes we just said, and we're just afraid that so-and-so is going to pull their thing. <laughs> My Lord, I hope Sister Carol doesn't do her thing. <laughs> God keep her still. I hope Brother Tick and some of them don't start speaking in them their tongue. God. And then we just sat there and prayed, doing the whole service. There's a hungry soul back there wanting to know what it's all about. Friend, there's nothing wrong with moving in the Spirit of God. That's what they're looking for. Most of them are tired of dead, dried-up churches that can produce nothing. Sometimes they may not understand it, but they like it. Brother Buford passed his bird's eyes telling us of the Catholic couple that we uh, had Bible study with while we was there for the better part of a winter and introduced uh, the ways of salvation, the true plan of salvation. And uh, by the way, those individuals have a priest there that's, priest there that's filled with the Holy Ghost, and they have what they call high mass. That high mass is singing and worshiping the Lord, or lifting their hands and speaking in tongues. That's high mass. The rest of it is just math. They don't go to that. All right? But anyway, he was talking about this couple that's, that has really been dedicated to God, and this lady had had cancer and she just believed God so much and trusted God so much uh, that that cancer is completely gone and when she, I believe my wife mentioned that when she took this uh, therapy that she prayed that her hair wouldn't come out and her hair didn't come out Catholic individuals filled with the Holy Ghost concerned about what's going on and he took them to uh, the AWCF conference any of you have ever been there when it's the Black Feet Prayful Night I mean, I'm not talking about them. I mean, there's no selfish bone in their body when it comes to worship. They simply don't care what anybody else thinks. They're not, they're not concerned about it. But anyway, Brother Buford said, I knew when that rhythm was going and that hype was going and it was getting up there, he said, I knew they were going to turn loose. He said, I thought, my Lord, what are they going to do? And he said, I was sitting there praying and people were dancing and all my eyes. Here they walked, just takes it. <laughs> and he said to him later, I didn't know you could have fun in church. But you can have fun in church. You ought to be able to have fun in church. All right? So we need to understand that. We need to need to have be in a church where we can invite our friends or our loved ones to join us. Say, this is a good place to be. Should be the place where they, where we could say they really care about us. They really try to understand us. The preacher sometimes goes overboard and he chastises and whips us, but he loves us. Yeah. That's why he does. All right, you should esteem the leaders of your church very highly for the love of their work, yeah. for what they're doing, for their attempt. They're God's representatives 
on earth. You see, if you're called of God, and you walk after God, then we're representing Christ. Most of it, they're working for your good, and you should thank God for them. They are to you spiritually what your natural family is to you naturally. Yes. I thought, God, I'm close to my natural family. I really don't see them as much as I ought to, but I am close with them. But I found that I am closer to the spiritual family of God than I am my own. I found that if I am placed in a position to choose between being with them and being with the family of God, automatically I choose the family of God. We ought to be of the same mind. The church is our spiritual hospital. It's our spiritual cafeteria. Before we come and get a smorgasbord here. I mean, take your tray along and pick what you want. There'll be something for everybody. All right? It's our spiritual drugstore. You don't have to get high on drugs. And sometimes if we quit depending a lot on these drugs, we might find the Spirit of the Lord can do some things it can't. Now, Brother Oswald, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I underwent as much pain, and I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you, it's just fact. No brag, this fact. I underwent, underwent as much pain as anybody else. And they had me on these tranquilizers three a day. My wife and her sister one time took one and slept for about two or three months. <laughs> so you know how strong they were. And I couldn't think, I couldn't mobile, I couldn't do anything. And I said to her and I said to God, God, I'm going to take some doses of the Word of God, every time it comes time for me to take one of these, I'm going to take a dose of the Word of God. And every time when it comes time for one of those tranquilizers to quieten my nerves and stop the hurt that was there, and never did completely stop it, but it done as good a job as the drugs. I took a dose of God's Word. It's our drugstore, friend. You see, the spiritual leaders of the church is those things to our soul. Verse 13 closes. And be at peace among yourselves. God have mercy on our local churches. Where is the perfect harmony that should exist among members. Where is that same care one for another? Where is that suffering part? Where is that, that honoring part and that parts of blessings? But churches are so divided. They're like children that play. Choosing up sides. A lot of times against church authority. Friend, the most damnable thing you can do is get caught up with individuals against the authority of the church. That's right. That's the worst thing that can happen, and yet it happens. Pastors and leaders suffer sometimes undue, undue pressure because they know and feel the rebellion among the saints and the talk to start a civil war against the authority. That's right. And it happens here as much as it happens anyplace else. Right. I'm telling you goodbye. I'm telling you what will keep you in these desperate hours. I'm telling you what will hold you when everything else is going down. I'm telling you what will keep you from getting back into the same beggarly elements of the world that you came out of. And don't say it's impossible. You have got friends and loved ones that are there right now tonight that used to shout the glory of God and even preach the word of God. And where are they at? They did not recognize that slow, deliberate power of hell that was inch by inch snuffing their spiritual life out of them. And nobody recognized it. Nobody cared. Nobody understood. Nobody suffered. And here they are. Friend, the world 
has lost its reason, or the church has lost its reason for being in the world. A soul seems like it means nothing to anybody as long as they can fill the pews of their church. It's wrong, saints. It's wrong. A soul is the utmost importance. I've said it often, if a soul cannot find their peace and refuge and fit in here in this body of Christ, God speed them and give them the peace of mind to go someplace where they can fit in and somebody cares and understands them so they can be saved on the day of judgment. It is not necessary for them to be here to be saved. We want you here. and We'll do our best to get you Amen. saved. But it is not necessary that you be here to be saved. God help us to get over such attitudes as that. God help leadership. God drown their pride. Move their ego out of the way. Until they become concerned about his soul. And about his existence in eternity. Divided, different sections of membership, like children playing in a marketplace. A good sermon, I'm getting ready to close. A good sermon for most local churches, a good sermon title would be Cannibal Christians. Galatians 5.15 says, but if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one another. Do you realize I wonder if we do. You see, evidently there, there is no oneness to us. Because if we start to start fighting and devouring one another, we ought to feel it ourselves. Nobody gets any fun on chewing on his own flesh if he can feel it. So someplace when we start doing this, we are insensitive to the body of Christ. Because we don't hurt when we start biting on it. It doesn't bother us. See what I'm talking about? Cannibal Christians, if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one another. A church can literally destroy itself. Yes, yes it can. Yes. It don't have to wait for people out there to destroy it. It will bite and devour itself. Cannibals eat other people. If church members bite and devour one another, they're spiritual cannibals. Always destroying instead of building up God's word in the church. Paul's admonition, and I'm going to close with that. I'm not getting along so fast. Paul's admonition is to be at peace among yourselves. And friends, you don't just snap a finger and say, I'm going to be at peace. It takes some heartfelt feelings for somebody and some good old-fashioned prayer meetings. That will move our spirit and will us together to make us at peace among ourselves. Leadership job would be so much easier if there was unity in the congregation at all times. There would be no hindrance. The word of God would have a free flow. Because everything and everybody has solved every problem that they have. They have put it under the blood. And they have decided that they have to go to heaven together. Amen. And if you don't like somebody, think about spending eternity with them. <laughs> you can't thank them down either. If you're going to make it in, then they are. Because most of them say, well, they're just simply not going to make it. Well, you just, and you don't know. You may be the one that stands outside Peter's day. Peter said, well, didn't see any movement out of you in a long time. I just thought you were dead. <laughs> Praise the Lord. First, Thess First Thessalonians, the 14th verse. Next week. Guys. I just don't feel like you. And we still have time to just kind of come in around the altar and get so close to one another that if they can be irritated, you irritate them. All right? Just come on up here and just be part of the body of Christ and ask the Lord to simply 
give us a sense of feeling. God, help us to feel. Help us to understand. And Lord, don't make me so proud that I can't share my problems yeah. and my burdens <laughs> and my troubles with the body of Christ in a This is leadership too. We need to understand that we're not an island in this And be just as honest with you. And thank you come our way. And we need you. That you feel. And when we do that, we're going to get so sensitive to one another that we will know that for them actually. Or our people to do you think that's possible? Yes. Yes. I believe it's possible. I don't know the problem. <laughs> no, I think that's that. I think it's possible. I remember when the church first started. We were that way. When it first started out there, the old church. I mean, nobody loved anybody talking. And everybody loved one another and cared. And somebody just said, well, it's pure. No, you got to work to You take it from your leadership. Don't know you with me. <laughs> Realize I halfway know what I'm talking about half the time anyway. And that's not my question. I think that's in our faith. And we have the danger of when pressure mounts on us. That's the thing. Let's just pray together. Father, we come into your presence tonight at the end of the day.